Hubhopper Originals. To start your podcast for free, log on to studio.hubhopper.com. This episode is sponsored by Blue Microphones. Head on to community.hubhopper.com to check out their amazing range of products. The Blue Microphone consists of the Blue Voice technology, which produces clear broadcast quality sound for podcasting and is compatible with both Mac and Windows. The Blue Microphone range is highly recommended for all podcasters. Hello and welcome back to Heart on My Sleeve. This is Mancha Kaur and you're listening to me on Hub Hopper. I've been on a small hiatus and this episode on scheduling rest and listening to your body will illuminate why that's so important. Today's guest is Vandana Verma. She's the head of communications at Nicobar and also runs a health and wellness website called The Tonic. where she shares her personal recommendations so articulately and in such a relatable manner it's for those of you who want to lead a more balanced life but can't dedicate all of your time to that pursuit this is a long episode so i'm going to dive right in here's vandana i'm good how are you i'm really well thank you well i'm really excited for our chat today me too uh, So I want to start off our conversation by asking you how you define self-care and wellness. You know actually funnily enough that's one of the few things where my definition hasn't changed that much over the last couple of years. For me wellness is its balance and it sounds like a little bit of a cliche but I kind of I've seen it play out in various parts of my life in that obviously wellness is balance in terms of you know making sure that you're eating well and sleeping well and all of those things that are yeah. super obvious. but for me it's kind of been finding balance almost in the way i approach self care so not working out like an absolute psychotic person and not allowing my body time to recover or not being so fixated with eating well that i'm unable to enjoy a meal with friends or you know like partaking a glass of wine or or you know or four glasses of wine when the <laughs> when that's the sort of night i'm having so yeah wellness for me is balance just the ability to look at things with balance bring balance to situations and feel balanced in my own body as well Yeah, and that's really interesting. I feel that way a lot as well. Before I get into that, I want to hear your journey getting into this whole industry. You write beautifully, by the way. Thank you. And so how did all of this start? Like when did it start? Um, it's a funny thing. I've always been a writer and you know, I was that kid who used to make my parents little uh, bound books for their birthdays when I was a child and I like sort of hand embroider the spines. I was really, you know, writing and putting together stories has always been something that I've enjoyed doing. And then I think that my writing has just as I've changed, as I've evolved, as my interests have changed, my writing has tended to veer towards whatever that period's interest is. And so when I graduated college and I moved back to Delhi, I going out a lot and I was eating out a lot and I was meeting a lot of new people and at that time I was working with a magazine that kind of but I was there nightlife and food and drink editor and so obviously that worked perfectly because I was yeah. writing things that I was doing but then a couple of years following that and it you know honestly it might have to do with the fact that I was eating out and drinking so damn much at that point I just wasn't feeling very good and I say to people quite often my journey into sort of wellness kind of began with a period of unwellness and it, it it wasn't anything super extreme you know it wasn't like i had some uh, monster illness or anything but i was just always unwell i i was that person that always had a sore throat i was always hungover uh, my stomach was always unhappy my skin was my skin was just a mess and i i think that sometimes i'm willing to admit this i think that sometimes the thing that kind of pushes me into looking harder at certain aspects of my life comes from vanity so it was oddly enough it wasn't the exhaustion and the fatigue and the uh, the hangovers and the bad mood and the bad relationships that caused me to really look at my life but the fact that my skin went to shit really upset me but i was like okay i need to sort this stuff out so all of the usual suspects you know i started with like not going out as many nights a week and eating a little bit better and making sure i was getting enough sleep and water and then as that happened you know my energy levels stabilized and there's that lovely springboard effect that you see in your relationships and you know i was less volatile and combative with my partner because i was less exhausted and therefore grumpy my relationships with my girlfriends my parents all of these things also just kind of seemed to get better i was more productive at work i mean and this is the thing it's one of these really obvious things right we all grew up with our mums and grandmothers telling us like when your stomach is good then your whole body is good you yeah. must take care of yourself you must do these things 
and yet you go to university and you you know start to do your own thing and mm. it kind of falls by the wayside or you take for granted that good health and that like rude vibrance that you have in your youth and so post that my writing kind of changed because i no longer at this point i had this website that used to pair music with food but that just wasn't what i wanted to write about any longer and so that's when the tonic was born and it kind of started as this journal where i was talking about my own wellness practices you know like the very many things that i was trying and like the astrangian yoga and ashtanga yoga and you know this kundalini yoga and this workout and that workout this food blah 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 and it kind of turned into this repository of information but more than anything else for me when i was at that phase in my life i remember looking for resources to kind of walk me through this thing that i was feeling which is you know we live in india it's a fount of incredible ancient wellness wisdom it is from you know eating techniques to ayurveda to various healing modalities and massage and there is so much here and yet i just wasn't able to find something that spoke to me the way i wanted to be spoken to you know there was a lot of very in depth ayurvedic courses there was a lot of very in depth yoga knowledge that required you to immerse yourself and i wasn't ready to do that at all i didn't want to give my life to ayurveda or yoga you know i wanted this to be something i could bring into my life as it existed and so i just started writing from that point of view where it's like are there other women and men in cities who are looking to incorporate little bits of something self care into their lives without kind of entirely being subsumed by it and this is also where this idea of balance really crystallized in my head because it was like you know i i still enjoy a great cocktail i still really enjoy a wonderful meal out with friends and i don't obsess about whether there's bread or dairy or whatever on my plate and where does wellness fit into the lives of people like me where it's not the only thing that i'm doing so that's kind of where the pranic began and even now it's it's not what i do entirely but it is it's kind of a very dear personal project that i continue no, to no i think it seems to run through your work like even with nico joner that sort of tonality and that world view i think it really comes through in the different things that you do it's really interesting like as i was reading your articles on your website i saw myself in a lot of what you said you know the way that you've written about it it's so relatable and it's also real it's not it's not about having everything be perfect whether it's what you're eating or never missing a workout or never touching sugar in any way even though i have been um, not having sugar well done <laughs> i'm trying so hard <laughs> it's a beautiful thing as long as again it doesn't become one of these faddish things i think the second anything becomes that it kind of takes away from I think the journey of a lot of people who have first of all been doing this for a very long time for personal reasons or whatever. So given that what do you make of you know the onslaught of all of these wellness influencers and rituals and bloggers? You know I mean I'm in kind of two minds about it on the one hand I am super excited to see people to have this be the conversation and it to have veered a little bit away from just a bikini body or like losing weight. On the one hand I'm happy that the idea of wellness and self care is kind of at the forefront on the other hand I'm kind of conflicted for two reasons one is that I think there's this patina of expertise that is kind of uh, shot through all of this and in the same way like I I can talk to you about what I eat and I can talk to you about things that I have just learned to be true for myself and then say to you try it and see if it works for you but I am not a nutritionist and I I would be reluctant for instance to talk with any sort of authority to people about what they should and shouldn't be eating and i find you know there's a lot of that there's a lot of like fitness influencers who aren't who are who have great bodies who are super strong whose personal discipline is amazing and i envy and they you know all of that but should they be necessarily talking to people about workouts and things they should be doing when they're not as well versed in like physiology so i have a little bit of trepidation about the fact that everybody's an expert online but at the same time like i said i mean i'm excited that self care is just part of the conversation and i don't know i think that there is a little bit of what we touched on just now which is that uh all of you know thinking about your body and thinking about what you're doing and putting in it and is also super important but it can so often uh, just meander off towards disorder and i yeah. i'm not talking about anybody else but i'm talking about myself and in the same way you know i when i started working out and there's been very many things i did yoga i did pilates i i loved them all in different ways and then i started 
doing weights and doing CrossFit and, you know, more like HIT and weight-based stuff. And I kind of saw my body start to change in a way that I quite liked. So I worked out every day, six days a week. And can I just say, nobody should be lifting weights six days a week because it's exhausting. And again, so I don't want to say <laughs> give advice or anything, but I found that it really, it does not do me any favors. You don't recover very well. Your cortisol levels spike. You end up actually gaining weight around your midsection. So it kind of went into that weird space for me where I was like, I got to do it six days a week. I've got to, you know, and I know that there was this kind of unrealistic body ideal that I was inching towards or wanted to inch toward. So what was and continues to be, I still work out with that, that same group, but I'm just more mindful about how much of my headspace is devoted to what my body looks like instead of what my body feels like. But that's been the journey of like four or five years. That's and one. That's a really big one. And because, you know, truly there's, there's lots of things that I've done in the past that start off from a place of such good intentions. You know, you start off because you're like, I, I would want to eat less shit. And I know that I feel better when I eat cleaner, you know, like sugar. I know that my skin, my mood, my body are all happier when I'm not eating sugar. I don't have the cravings and the energy slumps and the mid-afternoon slumps and all of that. Exactly. Um, but if it became something that, you know, if I walked into some place and then I had a bite of something sweet and then I was thinking about it and being like, God, it's so bad and I can't believe I did that. It kind of had, it's gone into a weird space. And I, I had gone into a weird space with the good eating and the good working out for a while. I had also, I kind of took myself out of circulation for a year where I just didn't go anywhere to do anything. Because I was like, if I go out at night, I'm going to be tired and hungover in the morning. And how will I make it to my 7.30 class? And if I go out, then I'm going to eat this. And oh, these people always smoke inside and I don't want to be around the smoke. I mean, I still sometimes don't go if it's a bunch of people who are smoking a lot indoors, I'll be honest. But it had gotten to a weird space for me. And it took me a while to even acknowledge that to the point that I was able to be like, okay, cool, cool, good intentions but you're thinking about it all the time. Yeah. And that doesn't seem, it does not seem normal to be spending all of your time being like, I wonder what my X, Y, or Z looks like in this outfit. I think I should lose another, whatever. It's just, yeah. I would like to be thinking about other things. Yeah, so, so while I'm excited, I think that there is a little bit of that happening where everybody's that thing about perfectionism, you know, like that perfect body and the perfect plate and the, the perfect meal that's shot for Instagram. I'm a little bit tired of it i'm a little bit tired of acai bowls you know with like the perfect purple and like the granola i'm just a little bit tired of like the instagram wellness aesthetic and so for me that conversation has shifted into a slightly more a slightly more personal space where i'm looking at not necessarily my my practices now vary a little bit depending on my mood and I'm a little bit less prescriptive. I am also a little bit older though. Maybe if I had done this in my early twenties, I would not have so readily shifted because maybe I wouldn't have needed that much recovery time. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, the short answer is I'm kind of excited about it. I'm kind of happy to see a lot of people devoting like time and I don't know, Instagram space to it. But at the same time, I think that there's this kind of a line of balance that has been crossed a little bit. So let's see. I'm keen to see how it all develops, to be honest. It's also important from the consumer's point of view to know that because if you take what someone says just because you admire them in other areas and you take what they say as gospel, you could end up doing something that's probably not so good for yourself. For sure. There was a whole discussion around that when it came to mental health and all of that since that's still something that's just about approached at this stage. I think there's still a lot of stigma attached to that but coming back to well what you do so what are some of the rituals that you've managed to incorporate in your life that help you nourish and look after yourself both body and mind okay so there's a few things I mean there's my mornings are really important to me. I mean, I'm a morning person in any way. I'm, I've always been an early riser. I don't set an alarm, but I'm up at like 6 a.m. You're lucky. Um, <laughs> because it also means I'm very sleepy, very early. But so my mornings are important to me. For me, my day kind of, I need to set the tone for the day with like alone time. And, uh, you know, I'll, I will oil pull. So I get up in the morning. We have two dogs. So while I'm kind of letting them out and making coffee for my husband and my own tea and stuff like that, I will I'll just swish sesame oil around my mouth. And I think you are traditionally supposed to like stand still and do it in a quiet and meditative way. I can't do it. Um, I do it while I'm doing stuff because that way I get a good five, six minutes of swishing in. 
and then I spit it out into the dustbin, never into your sink because it will clog your drains. And oh. then you just do like a salt water rinse. And it's, re- I promise, I swear, it's just been really good for my teeth and gums. I learned this from Mini Shastri at this talk that she once did on more, like Ayurvedic morning rituals. And um, she talked about so many. And doing all of them would require me to wake up at like 4 a.m. and yeah. do two hours of morning practice. So I haven't managed to actually incorporate all of them. But oil pulling has been lovely. And now I, if I miss a day, I, I miss the way that it makes my mouth feel just like really sparkly and clean and fresh. So oil pulling in the morning, I work out in the morning as well. And again, because I'm a morning person, my energy reserves are just highest then. So I try to always schedule you know, meetings that require me to do improper brain work and stuff in the first half of the day as well for the same reason. Um, so I work out at the moment I'm doing these online classes with my old CrossFit group. So it's a mix of like some like cardio work and weights and things like that. But it just helps me to get like a little bit of sweat. And how many times a week do you end up doing that? I probably do it four times a week. I mean, the thing is, because it's at home and it's on Zoom, it's a little bit less intense than it would have been. You know, the weights are obviously lighter, all of this stuff. So I kind of do that four times a week and then twice a week I will just do like some yoga or something on my own. I do miss going to classes. I will be yeah, honest. I, I really I, I see you. So do I. Yeah. It's just, there's nothing like actually being in a group class and doing things with people. So that's, that's my morning. And then I, at one point I was trying to get a meditation in, in the mornings, but it just never seemed to happen. And I think it's like all the activity and everybody's waking up and the dogs kind of want to go out and walk and stuff like that. So I bumped my meditation over to the evening and now I do it at six o'clock and which has kind of been nice because it means that at the end of the workday, it yeah. is this nice anchor where I'll also try and wind up meetings because I'm like, guys, I have to go. I have, I have something at six. So I've marked it as unavailable on my calendar. Yeah. Then I will go and I sit down and I do this meditation with, I'm actually doing a course online. So that's, it's kind of with a group. Uh, and you do class on Instagram. So that's quite nice. So these three, I've whittled things down. These three are kind of my most basic and things that I have to do every single day. And meditation is, God, I really struggle with it. I have a lot of resistance to sitting down to meditate. But I have always felt, yeah, I've always felt so much better. And I know I'm a better person. <laughs> I have better responses. I'm kinder, more empathetic. I, you know, I'm able to respond to things instead of constantly reacting. Lighter. Like, it just, yeah. it's like this weight. Uh, not at the time, though. No, not at the time. But afterwards, it's really funny. I was actually regular with meditating, like, through last year for a couple of months. And then during this lockdown, my husband, though, to, I mean, he pretended as though there was no lockdown. He'd get ready at the same time, have breakfast at the same time, have lunch at the same time. But... So I think he was just so at it and so on it that there came a point when he had to do something to sort of, you know, unwind. Because I think meditation became a thing for him. And I was just like, huh? (laughs) I, I was so regular with this. And then I just found it super, super hard to get into it. I'd managed to be still for two minutes. Yeah. And then I start getting restless. Oh my God, wait, I had a reply to this or I have to do that. Oh, like all of these thoughts would come rushing in. And I think after months of just watching my husband be so good at it, I have started using calm. And even when I am not still, I will still listen to it. <laughs> I'll just be like, okay, I'm not going to lie down. I'm not going to do those things. I don't feel that way right now. But something is better than nothing. So, (laughs) I mean, there are days that I think showing up counts. That's what I had to tell myself a couple of times when same. I've sat down, I can see the class beginning and I'm just like, I can't. I'm just, I have so much resistance. But overall, so I've been fairly consistent since April. I actually, I'm like patting myself on the back a little (laughs) because it's the longest streak that I've ever had. You know, I talk about it a lot on the blog and I, because I was fairly regular at one point previously, but same, I, I kind of dropped off and then I was like, mm, I feel like I can still call myself a meditator, even though I haven't done any meditation in yeah. months. And then in April, like, and I think that it, it really just has helped me navigate lockdown. I think I'm like your husband, actually, because for the first two months of lockdown, I would be like, get up. I was on the routine. I'd do the Zoom class. I would get dressed, put on my makeup, sit down, do all the meetings. And Gaurav, who's my husband, was just like, <laughs> I feel that <laughs> it's, like, it's really stressing me out that you're being yeah. so hyperproductive yeah. I'm, like, I'm on it I'm like taking my productivity from the outside world and bringing it to home and then last month I think I hit a wall where I just was like I have lost all of that steam and 
Yeah. I actually think a lot, I see it with a lot of people around me because what are we on, month five? Five, we're inching into yeah. month six. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like you, I think you said this at the beginning where it's like, at some point, it's not even, you know, the uncertainty starts to weigh you down. At some point, you have run out of your productivity reserves from outside. At some point, you sort of cease to think about like re-emerging into the world in any active sense this year. And I wasn't thinking about any of this stuff actively. I just had this sense that I was just lower and had um, less energy and less inclination to do anything. And, you know, struggling with meetings, struggling with my workout in the morning, which is not very much like me. I like to actually get on the mat and do that stuff. So meditation really helped me through that time. You know, we are we just going and sitting down is doable when you're feeling like that. And then I'd be like, screw it. I'll do, I'll do three minutes. Okay, I'll do six. I'll do nine. And it's easier because you're following along with the class. But that helped. And so that was like a bit of a sticky fortnight. But I, I am in a much better and happier place. And I, I do credit a lot of that to the meditation. That's been really interesting, like meditation in general. I think a lot of people, people who were very skeptical about it and thought it was almost like a, I don't know, hippie thing to do. I remember last year when I was doing it, I was met with a lot of Okay. Uh, but <laughs> I think a lot of people have done to it and, and it is a beautiful way to center yourself like you said, especially now when you don't really know what the next couple of months are going to look like. For me, I think at the start of the lockdown, so what happened work-wise was that my laptop's charger conked off and it was obviously impossible to get a charger during the first two months. It just sucked. I didn't know what to do with myself. How do you work without a laptop? How do you, I put pen to paper and I started writing like, on paper and all of that but I wasn't that productive but what I did do a lot of was you know go back to my interests like I started baking a lot I my husband's great at the piano so he started teaching me how to play again this is my fourth attempt learning oh good that's so great but like you said even for me last month I hit a slump where I was just I don't know what's going to happen like this year. So even if I am super productive, you know, there is always that. For what? I guess. Yeah. yeah. So meditation has definitely been a rock. For me as well. For sure. I'm, but I'm so impressed with that because actually lockdown for me as I think one of the biggest lessons of the lockdown for me was just like learning how to sit still again. And I realized that I just have not in so many years because I wake up and then there was always, you know, whether it's a workout or my wellness rituals and whatever, or meal planning. And then at work, there's work, 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 work. And then I'd be like, okay, cool. Going back home, I need to do this and I'll prep for tomorrow. And it seemed super efficient and it seemed very productive. And I always felt like, this is a thing. If you'd asked me right before lockdown, I was like, oh, I'm really tired, but I'm doing such good things. And that's what I kind of mean also. So about, you know, this thing about like um, wellness that's masquerading as wellness, but it's actually kind of dysfunction is something that I, that as well has been very much like a lockdown lesson for me. Sitting still, I just didn't know how to do it. And I don't know if you remember, but like that first month, the air cleared up and the birds were out and like the birds of Delhi seemed to re-emerge and they were like up at 4am. I don't think they could believe like the fact that they just had the sky to themselves and it was like obnoxiously pretty outside. Exactly. And kind of eerie because you know we're all sitting at home and being like what the hell is happening in the world but same and like Gaurav and I haven't spent so much time together we've now been married for seven years and uh, he's a producer and a a DJ so he kind of travels Thursday to Sunday and I work Monday to Thursday I have a four-day contract with Nikoba so we were on exactly opposite schedule it is hard and then you kind of got just got used to it but it's like we kind of saw each other in the week but not that much and so when lockdown happened at first it was like oh I haven't spent so much time with you in forever and it was it was super nice because like you kind of it's like re-meeting somebody and spending so much time with them and it was fantastic and we went out on long walks okay not long walks with the dogs walks with the dogs because the the guard kept telling us to like go home (laughs) but it was super you know we cooked and exactly like there was nobody here right so you cook and you spend time together and you chat and just do these like slow things he played the piano and I wrote again not for the Nikuba, not for the tonic I just wrote for me you know it never ended up anywhere it's still sitting and thing on a file my computer and I journaled and I, I just slowed down and I remember one day I was kind of sitting on my sofa and looking out at the plants in my balcony and I was like oh my god I haven't done this 
I can't even remember when I did this. So yeah. slowing down has been a big one for me because even that, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd slam in every bit of self-care that I could in a day in a way that was kind of exhausting. And now I'm a little bit more just gentle with myself. Where if I'm a bit tired in the morning, I'll be like, sorry, I won't do the CrossFit class. I'll do like a little bit of yoga on my own. If it's only 15 minutes, that's okay. Some days in the evening, okay, this is kind of granny, but like some days in the evening if I'm tired, I'll go to bed at nine. And it's super weird because who goes to bed at nine? But, and I just don't give myself any guilt about it. And I'm in there and I feel so much better for it. I've been reading so much. And just kind of doing these things that are helping my nervous system calm down, which is something that I think for a lot of us in living in cities, we're just constantly in this really reactive space where like you're just constantly responding to the things that are being thrown at you, the situations, the people, the traffic, the work, all of it. And I've just kind of noticed myself having a little bit less negative self-chat, not being like, oh, you should have gone to that class you should have eaten a bit more like greens today where yeah I'm just being a little bit gentler to myself like kinder to myself and I like it I think I might keep it even when we emerge from lockdown for me the thing that I've you know spoken about with a lot of people even on the podcast is that for me personally I've just been running around my whole life after one goal or the other, before we got married, I was like, I want to plan this perfectly and everything has to be down to the T, everything has to be just right. And then doing up the house, it was like, everything has to be as per what I wanted to be. And then I started my clothing line soon after. So like, it was just, you know, a lot of running around. And the first year, actually, I was very absent in that manner because I was always on my phone, replying to clients, doing this, doing that, running around, whatever. And like, I think even when I started the podcast, it was like you said, you know, wellness can also become dysfunctional sometimes in the way that you're actually trying to control each aspect. And if you're trying to make everything too perfect, it's counterproductive. When the lockdown happened, it was just, yeah, I need to be, (laughs) you know, it's okay if I'm not hitting my goals or doing all of the things like two months from now. It's okay if I, in my personal timeline, I'm pushing things a little further and and it's okay if I just want to be for a couple of days or weeks. And I think that's a hard one, especially if you're somebody who is very driven and very ambitious. You're just, you're gunning after 20 things at any given point in time. And I think it was really funny because I forget who asked me this, but there came a point when I knew because I'm running this personal growth podcast and, you know, writing around, if you ask me what one ought to do, I had a lot of answers to that. But if somebody in a given moment asked me, what can you do right now to be kind to yourself? I missed a few beats. That made me take a step back and be like, oh, that's a big lesson. Like that's been a big lesson for me personally. Generally in this lockdown, what's been interesting is that if you put aside the fact that, you know, it's a pandemic and there's been a lot of suffering and seemingly like irreparable damage to most businesses, in fact, it feels like a giant human behavior experiment. At the start, there was this phase where everyone had these almost epiphanies. Then it moved towards just smaller realizations and maybe deeper conversations. And then I think now everyone's just, a lot of us have fallen back into, you know, this rut and we've fallen back into old habits and patterns. So I wanted to ask you, you mentioned one, but like, have there been any other learnings or realizations for you that have stuck? during this lockdown for sure actually uh i feel like you touched on it right now as well same like i think as a like a fairly ambitious and a driven person i've kind of measured a lot of my work by my achievements and how productive i am and i i know that in lockdown i you know and the funny thing is i even went into that being like when are you going to have so much time at home? You know, like, okay, so what are the projects that you want to do? And you wanted to do a rebrand on the tonic. So like, this is the best time to do it. You wanted to launch that podcast. You, this is the best time to do it. Why would you not do it now? Forget the podcast, let's make it a video series. I mean, it was a whole thing. Yeah. And then at one point, many months in, also because work got really mad and I'm sort of grateful for it because I'm kind of glad that I didn't undertake this like massive rebrand and thing that I was planning to do. But this idea of like not measuring my worth by my productive output is a big one. And it's actually something that I'm kind of still sitting with because there is still, it's been so many years of conditioning, right? There's still that part of me that really is like, this is the time, you know, this is the time to get that work done. This is the time to write that book page. This is the time to do all of that. And it's like, is it? 
And somebody sent me this article the other day, and I'm completely forgetting who, but um, it was exactly this. It was just about what are the markers of success, really? Or like, what are the markers for a life well lived? And all of the ones that unconsciously, I think I had tethered myself to, you know, whether it was like job success in a certain way and in a certain progression, or whether it was, you know, like a personal product a project that I had launched to like certain response and certain amount of acclaim. Was it building a community, but of a certain size, of a certain like with a certain um, aim or whatever. And it was just like, where in all of this had I factored in like presence or had I factored in just closer connections with my friends or with spending more time in nature uh, or like is Delhi where I want to be 20 years from now is is this the life do I want to just be the head of something and with some other business and is that what I want to do with my entire life and I'd never kind of sat down and thought about it because it was like well of course and then you you find time for all of those other bits those little delights and the little treats and then the pandemic kind of like you said everything has kind of fallen to bits, right? And so it feels very much like you're rebuilding from the ground up. And in this rebuilding, I wouldn't say that it's a lesson because I feel like I'm still ruminating and like marinating in it a little bit, but I'm definitely re-looking very much at what would that, and I want to say an ideal life because I feel again that attaches a certain yeah, sort of life. What would this life look like for me? Like, yeah, what do I want my days to look like? And I know for sure that I, I, I looked around a couple of days. I love our home. I love my life. I love our friends here. But I looked around a couple of times and I'm like, what is it that for years has like kept me tethered here? And it's odd. A lot of the stuff that I would say, you know, like, oh, but my job is here. Or X, Y, Z, friend, or my, my parents are here. Well, that's the big one. But a lot of them are just like, those old tethers, yeah, they just don't exist in the same way any longer. And so it's a little bit unsettling because I feel a little unmoored. A lot of the things that sort of grounded me and held me down or whatever don't exist any longer. And so in a sense, I'm free to reimagine my life, our life in a brand new way. And it's kind of liberating and it's kind of exciting. It's a little bit scary and not going to lie, but it is exciting. And not just that, there's also an excitement about stuff that's happening now. And I think that I've always been, like a lot of us, I think I've always had like one foot in the past and then one foot in the future. Like with my gaze very fixedly in the far distant future. Um, and really trying to be a lot more present. And it's funny when you start to think about it or when you, when you try and make that effort, it is remarkable how much time you are not present in a day. One is not present in a day. And I realized that I might have spent the last year or a couple of years just kind of floating by in like this massive future tripping, screen tiny, weird space. That's been like my big liberation, my like lockdown liberation in a sense. And I don't know where it's going as yet. Uh, I'm trying not to make even that this act of like freedom to be something where I'm just like, cool, I'm going to do this and write this and build this. I'm yeah. trying not to like, I don't know, over schedule and over productify my days in the sense. Plan. Like, you know, what you just said, it's so funny. Um, me and my husband, you we were talking about something very similar yesterday. Like you said, I love planning. I love figuring out that when I hit this milestone and or when this happens, like these are the things that are going to happen. And that's so exciting. But it really takes away from all of the amazing things that are happening now. And I think it's weird that every time that I have hit a personal milestone, I haven't savored it as much and I also haven't felt that sense of elation that I thought I would because you know you put off that joy till you hit that milestone which is really unfortunate because it doesn't come and I mean for me personally it's more about putting off that joy to that milestone but I feel like a lot of people also put off living life till that milestone it's like when this happens yeah that is when I would allow myself to do all of these other things. And that yeah. is when I would have arrived or whatever. But then when you hit that milestone, then there, you know, it's a moving goalpost. Then there are 20 other things that you want and you're already you're over it by the time you hit it, which is so strange. I'll be happy when is like the biggest myth, I think, of society where it's like, I'll be happy when I'm that way. I'll be happy when I make X amount of money. I'll be happy when I get that raise or when we have that house. And it's like... When you have that house, there's a nicer, bigger house. When you have that raise, there's a bigger pressure job. And when you hit that weight, you are probably still going to want to pick something else about yourself. So like that, I'll be happy when is a big one. 
And the truth is that exactly what you said, it is a moving goalpost. So it's not like you get there and you're like, oh, hooray. Yeah. Then it's just like, damn it, it moved. Because now I have this whole other thing that I have to like work towards. But yeah, finding like pleasures in today is a big yeah. one. It's the smaller things and it's cliche to say, but it is the smaller things. There's a couple of my very close girlfriends who live, well, one lives in Gurgaon, so it's not really that far, but I don't see her as often as I would like to. One lives in Bombay and I have seen and spent more time with them over lockdown than in the last five years because we've, been, we've just been doing like quick, regular like WhatsApp video calls or whatever to Zoom in the beginning and then ask like, guys, I need to not be on my laptop in the evening. But it's been so great because I, I just feel so much closer to them now than before. Or the one time that you can't actually meet in person somehow seems yeah. to have fostered closer connections for me. When you are interacting right now, it's more about the conversation. And otherwise, it also becomes about who else is coming or who yeah. else is going to be at this thing or where are we going? What food are we having? What drinks are we going to have? I think it becomes about a lot of other things. And right now, it's solely focused on how meaningful and how much of a release that conversation is like when you are frustrated and then you feel good afterwards but I think one of the other things for me is that during this lockdown if we do nothing else we should become better friends with ourselves and become kinder to ourselves but mostly in the way where you know when we look out for our girlfriends or like how nice we are how thoughtful they are we don't tend to judge our close friends I think we need to start doing that with ourselves and that's been my <laughs> biggest learning. Yeah, well, that's huge, right? It's uh, kind of turning off that mean girl, you know, or like, it's, it's, it's huge because I feel like we all have that, we all have that kind of voice in our heads and particularly for women, I think that women really are so hard on themselves and we are so critical and it, uh, we make it so hard for ourselves and it, you know, in, in a place like India that is quite brutal on women in any case, I mean, I have so much awe and respect for the women that I have in my life who embody that. And I have a couple of really great girlfriends who, who are so good at quelling that voice, who are just like, fuck it, you know, be quiet, I'm going to do it anyway. And I, I'm trying to be more like that because I definitely think that there's this like constant criticism levy at ourselves that I'm kind of just done with. So I'm getting better at shutting it off. It's still there. Like I cannot in any way claim that I'm not doing it. But I'm get, now when I'm like, oh, you've put on X amount of weight in lockdown because at one point I was self-medicating with, Nirulas were the only people delivering ice cream. Uh, so I was self-medicating with hot chocolate on Sundays and I'm lactose intolerant. So this is a bad idea on every front. But I was just like, screw it. And I, I mean, I put on weight and it's not a big deal. I'm perfectly healthy. But there's definitely a, a voice in my head that is like, you need to lose that weight. Okay, that was fun, but now get your shit together. And so I'm kind of just, I hear it, I see it, I can see myself doing it. And then it's like, okay, it's fine. Most of us, especially as women, we have a food story there somewhere. Do you have a food story? What is your relationship? That three years in the UK and I just, I think the healthiest thing I ate was like a spinach and ricotta pizza from the supermarket because there was spinach on it. Um, same and I came back and I, I gained a lot of weight and I I hadn't even noticed in a weird way but um, that stressed me out same way it's like what have you done uh, how did this happen without you even noticing so and I feel like that kind of started or solidified for me this weird um, food as treat and then punishing internally punishing myself for doing it and then being like oh, tomorrow onwards tomorrow onwards I'm just not gonna eat anything bad and then I'd eat something and then the shame spiral would begin and I, I mean I've never had an eating disorder but there was definitely a disordered quality to my relationship with food and actually it's taken a while and now I'm at a place where I kind of have this thing where I'm trying to keep my word to myself so it doesn't mean necessarily that I will say this month I'm not going to eat sugar. But if I say this month I'm going to choose to nourish myself, it means that in that day, let's say I'm sitting around and I'm like, I really want something sweet. And I'm, you know, it's the afternoon and I'm feeling really whatever. I, I kind of sit with it for a little while to see if, what part of like nourishment is this for me. So it's like, if I just really want something that's sweet and indulgent, I'm going to get something, make something. I've started baking again. So maybe it's something homemade. Maybe it's something that like, that is indulgent, but maybe I can just have a small piece of it instead of finishing the entire tray of brownies. Because that was the other thing when I would get into this emotional eating spiral. My God, there was no end. Yeah. Like, 
yeah. family party pack of tiramisu that was another one for a lactose intolerant person by the way i have a real like fondness for dairy it's allowing myself indulgence without a attaching shame to it but also in a more like measured and present fashion where it's like have the fucking tiramisu just don't eat the entire pan because i know this about myself and that's that's a bit about like keeping my word i know when i've eaten x amount and then i'm starting to inch towards the rest of it even as i'm eating it i'm like why am i doing this oh my god this is literally yeah. what happens to me no no i'm like oh i feel terrible no then i'm like i may as well finish it so that it's not that later because then i won't eat it again and it's like dude that is not a healthy way to be looking at your food and i realized it a couple of years ago so it's a slow process and i will say food is and now i'm just like food is medicine and food is nourishment and it is pleasure and it's celebration because it's you know like when you are with friends it's so many amazing things that i i'm really now trying to just find a place that i'm able to enjoy it in all of those places like as wonderful home cooked nourishing food as incredible food eaten with my family and friends when we're celebrating something as like great wine you know like a super cocktail like all of these things like how can i make sure that i'm enjoying all of these incredible things that are meant to be enjoyed without going to this place where i'm like this margarita is amazing i must have 17 you know or like just finding balance with it that thing about i may as well finish it so that i don't do this again tomorrow is the worst part because then you're like i'm not even enjoying this anymore i'm just trying to get it out of the way yeah that's imbalance and i think i didn't notice it in university because i was like eh, whatever yeah i noticed it a couple of years ago where i was like oh right okay you really love respect and enjoy food i love food cultures i love food in different parts of the world i love home cooked meals i love home cooked meals in different houses and it just seems such a shame to not be able to fully be joyful about this incredible bounty of food without it turning into some like shame spiral and that's also like that mean girl chat you know it's so coming to we're talking about food along those same lines are there any food rules that you have or any no nos that you have that you follow um yeah i won't eat so i swapped out the fats that we eat like five or six years ago so i don't like eating uh, vegetable oils or canola sunflower oil all of that stuff i read this great article and ever since there's now lots of research that tells you about how you know the rancid nut oils just are really awful for your body so where i'm quite particular about the fats in which we cook and everything is like coconut uh, olive ghee or like sesame oil for like asian food and stuff like that so that's the only one that i'm really kind of particular about we eat most everything in moderation we don't eat as much red meat as my husband is bengali and they love a bit of like red meat but we don't eat as much of that as maybe he did growing up so yeah my food rules have kind of relaxed a lot which is nice yeah which is nice and i think that again like being kind to yourself and not being so harsh or so much of a perfectionist items uh, i just like food <laughs> too much to actually cut out an entire food so she's okay she can it yeah i i'm kind of not on any sort of diet plan at all but you know it's funny this is something that i talk about on the tonic a lot where i think that quite often people get wedded to this idea of like there's this like incredible new diet and this that the other but you have to try it and then pick and choose and keep and lose the ones that work for you and don't you know i might not like it and it might not work for me somebody else you might thrive on it and the same thing like i might go to yoga and be like oh my god this is exactly what i mean i was so stressed and i'm just i feel like i was puddle on the floor and you might go and be like i'm really fucking bored i need something with a bit more like i don't know interaction and like movement and hits for you and 6 months later maybe you and i will have swapped places and it will be exactly the other way and i think that in a weird way some of us living in the city in particular are so out of touch with what our bodies are saying and i know like for years my body was telling me things and i i was just like doing so many things and so out of touch with like my intuition and my that i ignored it all and that that invariably is where i end up like feeling unwell or developing something um now i'm just getting better at listening to my body so you know i know that last winter i was just like craving rajma and ghee and like parathas at one point and i think i just needed like the vitamin a and i needed the fiber and it lasted for a week and then i was just eating normally again and i i know this summer 
I just felt like I could not process raw foods. So even though usually in the summer I do lots of salads and stuff like that, I, I just didn't. And every time I did, I was like, mm, it doesn't feel good. And I stopped. But I do think that that requires us to like develop that personal relationship with ourselves to the point that we're able to hear that thing, you know, like hear the cravings, be able to separate the cravings from like a Nebula's So many of us, like especially in India, I think we are so out of touch with what our bodies are trying to tell us. Yeah, one of two extremes, like either it's the Punjabi mentality or whatever, where it's like you must have a lot of everything. Yeah. Like that's the only food rule that matters. Even though right after you feel uncomfortable or something feels off, you just keep having it because, you know, it's food. Yeah. How could it be bad? <laughs> yeah. I need to say that to me where she'd be like, eat everything. And I was like, but I know this doesn't make me feel good. And she was like, you must eat everything. Yeah. It's like, Mm, okay <laughs> yeah exactly and you said like even for me I have to try everything whether it's a new exercise whether it's a yeah. new, know, ritual or whatever like I have to try everything and I pick and choose from that what feels right for me it's impossible to do intermittent fasting my blood sugar does not mm-hmm. even if I don't have a snack at all yeah. like I just become crabby and like all of that so I, I need to have those small frequent meals. Like I think that's yeah. what works for me best. I mean, do you remember that horrible juice cleanse phase where it's like, now I look back and it's like, and I had to try it. So I did twice, try it, uh, failed spectacularly. So I was just drinking a lot of juice, but like by four o'clock I was so hangry and so cranky and so violently hungry that I would just eat any old shit. The next thing that I want to talk to you about is that have you off date or in the past ever faced burnout at work or in life? And if you have, what does that feel like or look like? Uh, for sure. Actually, I feel like I I kind of had a faced burnout like in month two or three of lockdown, oddly enough. Uh, for some reason, work was really ramped up and there was, it was kind of that thing about there was no separation between work and home. And uh, I kept making jokes about how you know, am I working from home or am I living at work? And actually, I was living at work. It was crazy. And it was, it was nonstop. And I was on email to like 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, wake up in the morning. And even while working out, I'd be thinking about my first buddy Zoom call at 9 a.m. or whatever. And I'd go to call, to call, to call, to call. This is about June. At the end of that three months, I was... And that's the funny thing about burnout. You kind of don't realize that that's what it is. And it, it started as like, kind of like fatigue and crankiness. And then emotionally a bit like I just don't want to do it anymore I just can't do it anymore and then it, I just like hit a wall so like crashed into the wall at some point so for me addressing it was very much about like creating boundaries between work and home in a fairly neurotic and strict way so like I said I will like block I've reclaimed my Friday so I, I'm on a Monday to Thursday contract with Nikopa and but I was working Fridays I was working Saturdays I was working Sundays I was just like working all the damn time so I like blocked off my calendar you know it's simple things and I think for people who are doing the work from home thing who are now tethered to their calendars these are like really simple interventions that made such a difference to the quality of my life I have blocked off those days as unavailable so it'll automatically decline meetings if anybody sends me an invite um, I turn off my phone and that's actually it's so simple and it's so huge uh, but I just, there will be from on Friday, Saturday and Sunday for at least three to four hours a day, I will just turn off my phone. So if there's a WhatsApp or a message or whatever, I don't see it. There's also not that thing where you just suddenly start looking at Instagram and you're like, yeah. and that can just turn into like an hour without you even realizing that you're doing it. I was just feeling so stretched thin. And that's kind of what burnout does to you. Where it's like everything feels overwhelming, you know? So even the smallest chore feels overwhelming and like, a meeting that is no big deal. It's just like a quick conversation felt like a real imposition. Uh, so taking out that time for rest meant that I was just better in the week. And, and then this phone being switched off thing. Uh, and then when I was feeling a little bit better, I kind of just have tweaked how I'm approaching work in that I am trying to like front load my meetings in the week so that I also have a couple of days just for like deep work, you know, so I can sit down and write without having that frustration of like doing 10 minutes of writing and but then I have to hop on a call with somebody. So carving out spaces in time, my dog's being a bit mad, carving out spaces in time to do work, but also to rest has been a game changer. And I actually think it's really important because clearly this work from home thing, you know, it's not going anywhere for a while. And I think for a lot of us, this may well be like the future of work until at least 2021. So yeah, I've just been, 
become really unapologetic about taking out time for rest. And that's been quite nice. And I'm therefore, I'm just not feeling that heaviness or that feeling of like um, imposition any longer. I think like with burnout, it's, it's honestly like sometimes, at least for me, that's what it's felt like. It's not only restricted to work. Like sometimes yeah. when you overschedule your life and when, you know, you stretch yourself to think yeah. at that stage, physically, you start feeling incapable. And like you said, you get short with people and, you know, like you get crabby very easily and you just feel tired and overwhelmed and all of that. So I think... What's really important is that I think with work, that conversation still started, but in life, maybe you just need to stop doing a few of the things, whether it's, you know, cut back on exercise classes or cut back mm-hmm. on things that, you know, that when you're stuffing your day far too much and you, you, you just can't be that person that's available doing everything and also making that time for yourself. So at a point like that, uh, you've been trying to make time for rest. So for you, how do you define rest though? Is it just being? Is it just doing whatever feels right? Mm-hmm. In that yeah, it's, it's reading. It's sleeping. It's like an afternoon nap. You know, like sometimes just, it looks like just sleeping on the sofa in the living room, which is kind of great. But like in, like in the afternoon, before lockdown, it would have looked like getting a massage or, you know, skipping a workout for like a longer walk with the dogs or something it's really simple stuff but invariably it requires me to like not be near a screen and it requires me to not you're right I not how the burnout also extends to like one's social life you know like that sense of obligation about like having to be at all the places and so I went like a little bit far with removing myself from that and then I promise for one year I just never went anywhere okay no I went to a few things but like I went out very rarely but just for the same reason and I think I had gotten to a place where I was either constantly out or I was constantly feeling guilty about not having gone to that place or there was always that sense of like oh I should call that person because we should meet and we've met we've been saying for so long that we should meet that those words we should meet just kill me and in a weird way like lockdown took that away you know, like lockdown took away the ability for anyone to be like, we should make because it's like, hey, we can't. And I know that everybody felt that. I know it means that when we emerge from this, people will very much be prioritizing the people who are more important, but at least for a while, you know, so I, there's some people that I used to have this like, we should meet dynamic with that I actually now I feel like if I were to see them again, would be like, hey, it's been so great to see you. And then leave it there. And, you know, like take away that I have this need to fill every gap with conversation and I'm also like settling some of that where it's like, it's okay. You don't actually need to fill it with some like bladder just to make the awkward silence a little bit less awkward, but then overcommit to things that you've never actually really wanted to do. So yeah, I mean, burnout comes and goes in like different phases of one's life in different ways. But yeah, for me, it's just like, it's slower things. Rest looks like slowing stuff down. I also think that there are times for productivity and there are times high. There are times for like, you know, go, go, go. And there's times for that sort of high energy. I, I do good work at that time, you know. So there's definitely times that projects come along that I want that, that sort of high octane energy. I just think that when you're not balancing it with enough like downtime as well, one ends up on the fridge. So in the same way, there is like, you know, I love a great party. But if I'm not balancing it with like time to like, be on my own and be a bit chill that's when it starts to become like that weird obligatory social whirling jig and I don't enjoy that I mean I don't think anyone enjoys that yeah yeah I feel the same way not planning or overanalyzing too much but what are the next few months like what do you want them to be for you so I'm actually so given that uh, it's now been five months and given that I know that I'm going to be working remotely for at least the rest of this year uh, we're actually planning to just get out of Delhi for a month. So we're looking at looking and going to, my parents have a house in Goa and I, yeah. I've really been yearning to be just closer to nature and trees and we just want to pack the dogs in a car, maybe, uh, they're big dogs, and drive down. And so that's something that I'm really looking forward to. And in addition to that, I'm kind of thinking, so this is a more long-term thing, but I've been thinking about ways to make movement like fun and fresh again and I have I thought that I might take up a racket sport when I was younger I took these tennis lessons and I yeah. I was going through my like bookworm phase so I would constantly bunk my tennis lessons to go and sit in the library at the gym and the other day I just woke up and 
I'm getting better at like following these like intuitive things. Uh, I just woke up and I was like, I really want to learn tennis again. And so that's something that I really, I just want to do. I, it just seems like a fun thing and I'm really excited about it. So finding time for like play and fun and just really creating gaps in my schedule just to allow things to happen is my sort of not planned plan for the next couple of months where I've always, even through lockdown, you know, I, whether it was like cook or, you know, do X, Y, Z, my day has always been structured from like morning to night. And I am now kind of leaning into the idea of just leaving these big windows of time. And I think it might be obviously, you know, when you're in a new house and in a new space, even if it's temporary, automatically, you know, it's a clean, it's a blank slate, right? I'm just going to leave gaps in my planning for a while so that I can just see what emerges. And I'm quite excited. That sounds lovely. And I think like what the note that I want to end it on is that maybe one of the things that all of us should start doing is stop assigning labels to who we think we should be or who we think we are. Because like you said, even in the smallest ways, both what you do and like, I think even I do that, where, you know, you want to try a whole new set of things all the time. And today you may want to take tennis lessons and tomorrow you may want to start baking more. And we almost put this pressure on ourselves, whether it's with, you know, who we want to be seen as, as this person who does this job or runs this business and this person who is into one or two things and that's who you become. That sometimes I think we're almost scared to color outside the lines and try something new, try something crazy and do that for ourselves. And I think we do so many things just to look a certain way on Instagram for the most part. So I think if we just went with the flow on a moment to moment basis, which is very hard and I by no means have, you know, managed to do this to the degree that I'd like, but if you just checked in with yourself, whether it's what you want to eat in that moment or what you feel like doing, it could be nothing. It could be lying down on your sofa or whatever. <laughs> it could be reading a book or it could just be nothing. It could just be a walk. It doesn't have to be something superbly ambitious and insta-worthy. I think it's just important to be in tune with what you're feeling and what your body needs and what your mind needs. I could not agree more yeah, with all of that. Yeah, I love that. So let's start the rapid fire. Who is the woman you admire most and why? Uh, I'm really a fan of Amanda Chantal Bacon. Uh, she's actually the founder of Moon Juice in LA. Oh. She's a cool woman who like started a business when she was a single mother with her baby and has built this incredible brand that's very cool and it's kind of like a wellness brand but she's also this like earth mama figure yeah i'm quite inspired by her in various ways both in like her vibe in general but as well as how she built this business so yeah what's the best piece of advice you've received so far probably from I mean, it's super easy version my mother, which was just when she pointed out that I was missing my life and that I should really take the time to enjoy what's happening right now, which I mean, it's kind of also the theme of our conversation. So. <laughs> what's the one thing that you've learned the hard way? Mm, yeah, to value my body, to value my health, to sort of not take that for granted. And again, we, we covered this, but like, I think that I took it for granted for so long that kind of inching my way back to a good relationship with my own body has taken me much, much longer than it necessarily needed to have done. What's a beauty or wellness trend that you're currently trying out or loving? I am masking every single day. Um, oh. I don't know if it's a wellness trend. I mean, oil pulling, I guess, could, could, could be. But I'm just trying to find 10 minutes of every single day uh, and it literally takes that long to like do a mask and it's just me time. It's I'll play some like mantra or music because I'm doing Kundalini Yoga. So the mantras come from there and I will do this mask and it's like guilt-free self-care time and I'll lock the doors so that nobody can knock and nobody can sort of pull me out of it. Yeah, that's what I'm doing at home. What's the one habit that you've been trying to develop during the lockdown? Stillness. Just stillness and the ability to sit still. And what's your guilty pleasure? Ice cream. 
<laughs> very much ice cream <laughs> my yeah it's also been my a bit of a sustained habit through lockdown ice cream that was so so nice yeah thank you so much mancha and a lovely chat like i just enjoyed it. it was quite easy and things like that as well bye take care bye. you too bye and with that we come to an end of today's episode i hope it has inspired you to prioritize what your body and mind have been trying to tell you to lead more balanced lives so that you slow down pause rest and mindfully restructure your life your habits and any harmful patterns that you're in long before you burn out or hit a patch of poor health make sure to follow vandana on instagram her personal handle is vandana x varma and her wellness website handle is thetonic.co I've linked both in the description so you don't have to worry about that. Next week we have the CEO of Cry India that's Child Rights and You to talk about the importance of giving and where to start. So that you don't miss that episode or any future episodes, don't forget to click on the subscribe button or the bell icon. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at the rate heart on my sleeve official. If you'd like to reach out to me personally, my handle is at the rate Mancha Kaur Anand. See you next week. Bye. इस हबहॉपर ओरिजिनल को सुनने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया। अगर आप भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करना चाहते हैं, तो हबहॉपर स्टूडियो वेबसाइट पे रजिस्टर करें और एक मिनट के अंदर अंदर अपना खुद का पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करें। यही नहीं स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करने की सिर्फ तीन आसान स्टेप्स में तो साथ में अपना पॉडकास्ट शुरू करने के लिए तैयार जस्ट हॉप ऑन हब हॉपर सिंपली कंटेंट